and welcome to this Endo Life, episode 31. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. So yeah, um, back again. And for those of you who aren't on my newsletter, um, my intention going forward is that I release a podcast episode every week for the rest of the year. Um, that sounds a bit crazy when I say out loud, but um, I'm batch recording and it's, yeah, it's my goal. Um, so we're going to see how it goes. Um, I wish that I was one of those crazy podcast entrepreneurs who could guarantee that that was going to definitely happen. But um, as you know, obviously health reasons, you never know. So, but that's, that's the goal. Um, and yeah, they should be every Monday. Um, so let me know what you think. Let me know how you find them. Um, I am recording this on the eve of the Endo March London. So, um, if you attended, um, by the time you're listening to this, I hope you had an amazing time. Um, and I was probably running around like a stressed <laughs> person that I usually am at these kind of events trying to capture it all um because I'm going to be doing some of the social media for Endometriosis UK so if you do see me at, or if you did see me and I was really distracted and couldn't stop to say hi I'm very very sorry um but yes um so anyway before we start I'd like to thank my sponsors um this season is sponsored by BU period patches you guys know I love them they are 100% natural um and deliver menthol and eucalyptus oil into your muscles and these two oils actually are anti-inflammatory and reduce the cramping so the pain that you're getting is caused by the inflammation and the cramping um so these oils help soothe both of those relax your muscles and reduce the pain um you get five per pack so they should last for the majority of uh, your bleed um obviously that depends very like depends on how long your um menstrual cycle is how long your period is and also whether you're in pain on a daily basis or just for your period or perhaps for your ovulation so you can subscribe and get a pack per month or you could um, buy them as and when you need. They are six ninety nine um, for an individual pack, or four ninety nine if you opt for a subscription. Um, to shop, just head to the link in my show notes, and you can start soothing period cramps a natural way. This show is today's episode is also supported by Planet Organic, who happened to sell my favourite supplement, the Endo Complex by Wild Nutrition, which was developed by today's guest Henrietta Norton. Um, so I take the endo complex every single day and you're here in the episode that I really couldn't go without it now I will sacrifice other things um if I don't have the money to buy everything that month because the endo complex is so important to me to have um I have been able to relax a bit more on my diet um I've been able to like work through periods I've been able to go out through periods this really has been a complete game changer for me um I feel like 
the endo complex took my like my management style up by like I, I can't even it's reduced my pain levels down to pretty much non-existent and before I was able to get them down very low but as soon as I kind of chose to eat something that I knew was a trigger I knew about it where I don't experience that anymore now I take the endo complex um so I'm just thrilled to have it a part of my life um so yeah if you are interested the link is in the show notes um and by clicking this specific planet organic link um you'll be supporting the podcast and helping me to cover the costs of the show today is an absolute career I don't know if you can call this end of life a career but I'm gonna say that career and life highlight um I'm getting to I'm getting to talk to take control of your endometriosis author Henrietta Norton um Henrietta Norton's book was at the very beginning of my holistic journey with endo and it was her words and her endometriosis kind of diet guide it's it's not you know endometriosis diet is a very loose term it's kind of refers to an anti-inflammatory diet sometimes a diet that supports hormones um but you know it was Henrietta's approach to eating for endometriosis that helped me to really understand um, nutrition in fact completely overhauled my understanding of my body and my relationship to food to be quite honest it was really life-changing for me and I don't know where I would be without this book I have to be honest Henrietta is not only the author of the um one of, Henrietta is not only the author of one of the best books out there on endo but she's also the founder of Wild Nutrition so Wild Nutrition is um a team of nutritionists who run a health clinic nutrition health clinic and company specializing in women's health um and food growing supplements including endo complex which you just heard me talk about earlier um and You've probably heard, like, if you know me, if you talk to me on Instagram or have emailed me, I will say that I take the endo complex and that's been really helpful for me. Um, it's just been amazing for me. Um, so, I mean, you're here. You're here in the show. Um, so Henrietta is not just passionate about good food for your body, but she's also got the science to back it up. She's a registered nutritional therapist, a functional medicine graduate, and is currently studying nutritional medicine. And that's really why I love her. When I read her book, I knew that I was getting reliable information. The book is full of evidence and data, but it's delivered in a really clear and accessible way. In this episode, we talk about some of the key food groups which could worsen endometriosis um, and the symptoms, the optimum nutrition for endometriosis, and we go on a deep dive into how the rest of the body's systems and organs can actually affect endometriosis for the better or the worse. If there's one episode to listen to in this Endo Life podcast, it's this one. It really is. Um, I think you're going to be fascinated by it. I couldn't fit everything I wanted to fit into this interview. So um, I hope Henrietta will be back one day um, and I hope you enjoyed it as much. Well, enjoy it as much as I did. Here she is. I'd really like to start with the book because so many of my questions um, come from come from there. Um, so could you tell us, like introduce the book and what it's about and you know, why you've updated it and it's been re-released. But also what inspired you to write the book? Was that like your own journey? 
It was it was double edged, really. It was, um, you know, I think I think you know that the first the first one was uh, released. I think just I've got to check myself, but I think it's 2013 was the first the first edition was released, and that really was inspired by my personal experience of endometriosis. But also, I was working with a lot of women in clinic who, um, you know, were coming through the door almost desperate, having given no information about what endometriosis was and how they could manage it. And the idea of using conventional um, medicine was was quite daunting for them. Um, so, you know, I just, I just very quickly realized there was a real gap of information available to young women, particularly um, who are experiencing endometriosis. And as as you probably already know, my my personal experience was that I was told that I had endometriosis and that it was very unlikely that I would be able to have children. And, you know, that prognosis was just simply one that I didn't want to accept. And with the knowledge that I had around nutrition and lifestyle and changes that can be made that could possibly help hormonal stability, once um, I decided to kind of, you know, use those on my on myself and deepen my research into the area. And it made such a profound difference to me. And then working with the women in clinic, seeing the, the, the benefits that they were experiencing, too, was really the impetus for writing the book. Um, I went to I went to a publisher and said, I've got an idea about doing, you know, a book on endometriosis. And she said, what is endometriosis? <laughs> and do many people have it? Do many women have it? And I said, yes, and more people need to know about it. I mean, you know, it's a there was also I was also seeing women in clinic who were coming to me with um, expressing symptoms, but had no diagnosis. Um, mm. So, you know, so that's the other part of it. It's actually, it was, I wanted it to be a resource for women that maybe didn't even know that they had endometriosis, but could go through and read through what, how endometriosis can manifest and, and then go with an informed, um, go to their doctor informed and say, listen, this is what I think I have. Um, which was certainly my experience. So I was, you know, it was me that went to my doctor and said, I think this is what I have. Can you please test it? Um, so, so yeah, so it was a, it was a real passion project actually, I have to say. And, um, and then the more recently, as you already highlighted, I have uh, done the second edition, um, which was launched last year. So in 2018, and that was because, um, you know, that it's fantastic. There's an increasing awareness of endometriosis and, and more and more research going into it as well. So more money, more research, more backing, more interest in endometriosis as a, um, certainly within the, the medical paradigm as well. So there were some updates that I wanted to make um, with the recent, to include the most recent research um, and to, to make some mild changes to the diet as well. So, for example, I wanted to build in, you know, more cruciferous veg and some of the autoimmune aspects that might play play a role in some people's um, uh, experience of endometriosis. So, you know, maybe some people benefit from having less grains in their diet, for example. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to make some adjustments. And, um, and then it was, yeah, it's been available since, I think, November last year. I mean, I, for me, I, I think reading your book the first time and again you know I mean I've never not I've never stopped reading it um I kind of pick it up continuously um and I found that when when I discovered that endometriosis could be managed um or could potentially be managed through um lifestyle and diet changes there was such a 
firstly, at the time, I couldn't find much information out there. And the information I did find wasn't very clearly explained. Um, So then when I found your book, that was the first time it all started clicking into place. And and I, I felt that it was a trustworthy source because you put, you know, so many references to studies and it was clearly written and you'd had all this experience. So I... I'm so lucky and so thankful that I found your book because I think it truly oh, changed my hear. life. Thank so, you. yeah, I I recommend it to everyone. Um, <laughs> that's that's really that's really lovely to hear. And you know, that's the kind of that's all I could do was put put it out there and just hope that it was of support to you know those that read it. I think you know one of the things that um, I experienced was personally and also from the, the the kind of the anecdotal evidence that was coming through the clients that I was seeing is that there was there were two sort of um forces oppositional forces when it came to dealing with endometriosis there was the medical um paradigm the orthodox medicine route that was very very opposed to any other non-conventional treatment and then actually in fairness there were so there's also an unconventional um disciplines and practitioners who were very against you the medical um, understanding of endometriosis or, or treatment of endometriosis. But actually, I hope, I hope what comes across in the book is that whatever route you decide to go down, they can both help each other. It's about an integrated approach. Not, not It doesn't have to be about polarities. Um, sometimes it's important to, to, to marry the two together and, and within that to make the, the medical information accessible in terms of, you know, but certainly, I, I'm a I'm a trained kind of health professional, so I knew how to access the information when I was reading the studies. But from somebody without that background going into the med, trying to dig down into endometriosis was confusing, and you know the language that was being used. I really wanted to be able to make something that was accessible for everybody to understand what is going on in their body and empower them to know what to do to support it. Yeah, I absolutely think you do that. Um, com- yeah, completely. And I, you, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, that that was kind of my next question is is about the this kind of opposite sides the the medical industry or community, and then the more holistic side of things. And um, you know, I, I completely understand that you do have like holistic health practitioners who are really anti-surgery or anti, you know, hormone treatment. Um, but I, I guess my concern is more on the medical side in the sense that I've endured from people who I shouldn't have endured it from a lot of criticism for the way that I manage my endometriosis you know, people who are in very high up positions within the endometriosis community. And these people will like categorically say that diet's got nothing to do with endometriosis Mm. and it can't help. That's, that's really, really sad to hear. And I, you know, and I, and I don't think, uh, I don't think you're alone in that. Um, I think that, you know, the education piece and the being informed piece is not just about those that are suffering from endometriosis. It's actually about educating and informing the medical industry as well. Um, I do quite a lot of work for the Royal Society of Obstetrician and Gynecologists and and also the University of Surrey training them on nutrition and endometriosis um, for for their course and for their degree. And actually, 
I was so delighted to be asked to do that because to me that was an enormous step forward that actually people were interested in it. And and it's been astound it's astounded me that it has taken as long as it has for the medical industry to actually be open to discussing the benefits that other um, disciplines can bring. Because you know the the research the research is out there, you know, the 2010 uh, Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, you know, that was saying right back, you know, nine years ago that a a multidisciplinary approach should be used to limit the impact of of endometriosis on daily living and fertility. So, you know, and there are many more, there are many other studies that have highlighted that, the impact that diet can have as well. So I think what, what has happened is that um, with the med, I have a lot of respect for medical professionals, and but and they will themselves um, admit that they get forty minutes on nutrition in their whole entire seven years of training. Um, so you know their information, and and there is very much a, a sense of um, guilty until proven innocent in the in the medical industry as well, isn't it? It's got to be so so proven before people even open up to the idea of it. And yet we have got we've got so much evidence behind nutrition kind of traditionally and um, the wisdom of nutrition has been around for a very, very long time. So so and also I think, you know, what in many ways, I mean, I know I, I, I don't know specifically who you're talking about, but I also know that I've had to sort of come up, have um, heated conversations with uh, medical professionals about how, you know, talking about the placebo effect. And and I I have often said, even if it is the placebo effect, actually, who cares? Because it is working and it's improving people's lives and they are feeling better from it. Now, you know, again, a lot of the people that are that are giving the advice are not women. And, um, and they are they have not experienced the condition, so they don't know how debilitating it is, how how frustrating it can feel to feel that you are completely out of control of how you experience your menstrual cycle. And so, if it gives people that ability to feel like they have got they're empowered to feel um, more controlled, they are feeling better. Who really cares whether or not it's proven or not? Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, evidence based nutrition is is fundamental, and I I advocate that, but. But really, when it comes down to it, is the person feeling better? Yes, they are. Well, then, you know, who are we? Who are we to have a right to say, don't do that? It's not proven. Completely. I totally agree. So when, like a lot of the arguments that I hear is that the the data's not there. And if I've ever challenged that or they've gone on to explain it, they say the evidence isn't, the data's not reliable, the studies aren't big enough, etc. But do you think a large part of it is actually the people who are saying this don't really know what the evidence is? Like they don't know it exists. I think partly I think I think it's um, that they haven't necessarily looked for the evidence to support their argument. I think sometimes it's more um, convenient not to look for the substantiation. Um, but also, let's not forget that in order to do research, there need to, to be funds. And for there to be funds, there need to be certain outcomes from those studies that benefit people. Um, and I think that endometriosis has been a condition that has been able to slip under the radar because it's not a point of interest for researchers and and um, certain companies to fund to, to fund studies on endometriosis, it's becoming more and more 
an inverted commas, it was a dreadful term to use for it, but it's becoming more popular. Yeah. You know, and so, and diet is becoming more mainstream. And there are now, there's, a, it's not just happening with endometriosis. There are other conditions that fall, that are seen as kind of minority conditions that are uh, for once getting a bit more light when it comes to research. They're getting more funding. There's, there is more research available. So, you know these these research these these studies have been done probably on a on a small smaller scale than gold standard studies. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them are, are on a smaller scale than. But they have to start somewhere. Um, and you know, so you do the preliminary research, and then that what that tends to do is create enough of a body of evidence to um, to put a case forward for doing more robust, wider scale studies. Um, which I think is where we're at now. There are more studies happening, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. So as you know, as we're on the subject, it'd be really good to talk about there is this kind of term which I think for I don't know, maybe lack of a better word, we've kind of dubbed it as the endo diet. Um, but there's not really a there's not necessarily a set diet for everyone. But generally, there's the suggestion that um, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, certain meats like red meat, dairy, gluten, and particular fats can aggravate some people's symptoms. Um, and you cover a lot of these in your book. So could we kind of go through like a quick overview of these potential issues with those foods and kind of, you know, bust any myths around them, but also talk about kind of your approach to the endo diet yeah absolutely i mean um it goes without saying everybody's individual and uh, you know we all have our genetic individuality but there are certain certain um themes that can kind of benefit most most people that are experiencing endometriosis um but everybody with endometriosis is an individual they're not they're not all necessarily going to have the, the same results from following a particular diet. The other, the other thing is to say is that um, that I'm a really big believer in in um, not exercising too much control, so not starting from a point of deprivation. So it's about learning, experimenting with your body. You're your best doctor. You know, you are you you listen to your body. If there are certain foods that some people say are, are absolutely great to have if you're experiencing endometriosis, but you yourself feel that they're not, then then you've got you've got to listen to your own body. That's so incredibly important. But the so the the um the points that you've highlighted already that tend to work very well for um, the women that I've certainly had experience of and the research has shown is sugar, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it is the, the sort of the demon food has been called the demon food, but actually, you know, if you have it in moderation, it's all about quality and it's all about quantity. Um, and if you have it in moderation as sugar was, um, meant to be used, you know, the birthday cake once a year or whatever it might be. Um, it's just that we have tend to have so much of it. Um, and often without us even knowing it's in, you know, it's in so many processed foods that you wouldn't even think would need sugar in it, but it works as a stabilizer so, and a flavor enhancer. So it's used a lot, but it affects the opioid system. So it actually affects that. Um, once we have it, it actually initiates a release of, of dopamine. So some of the feel good chemicals, brain chemicals that are released from the body. So it can be very, very addictive. Um, but when it comes to endometriosis, my main concern with with sugar would be that it increases fat. 
uh, it can increase um, adipose tissue, so fat, the fat cells, adipocytes, um, which can increase the production of estrogen within the body because it is, stimulates an enzyme called aromatase, and that converts androgens, so another a type of um, group of hormones like testosterone, into estrogen. So we get more, even more estrogen produced in our body. Um, and we also know that excess glucose increases the production of prostaglandin 2, um, which is a sort of inflammatory uh, chemical, and it blocks prostaglandin 1, which is a sort of anti-inflammatory um, uh, chemical. It, it's also when we when we ingest, the irony of sugar is that when we in, ingest um, sugar, we reduce the storage of our body's key nutrients that are needed for blood sugar stability. So that's chromium, zinc, calcium, magnesium. Magnesium and zinc, we as women with um, with heavy periods, we actually excrete quite a lot of our magnesium stores. So our reliance on magnesium through our food is really, really important. Um, and calcium supports the nervous system, which supports pain management. So, you know, these are key nutrients that are very, very important and sugar can actually reduce our storage of those. Um, and then it has an impact on beneficial bacteria as well. So, which we know the beneficial, you know, it's hard not to see the amount of evidence now that's um, accumulating around the microbiome, so the beneficial bacteria in the gut um, and the importance that that has on our, on our well-being on many levels. Um, but, you know, 70% of our immune system is, is situated in our gut tissue. So in, when it comes to supporting our immune system, actually su in promoting the, the growth of the beneficial bacteria is really, really important. Um, so minimizing your sugar intake is, is good for that reason, too. Um, then I think you mentioned, did you mention caffeine? Um, so, you know, ca caffeine is one of those ones that I think it's it's got health properties, actually, really good ground coffee has got health benefits. So it produces certain um, antioxidants that can be really supportive for the immune system. Um, but if you have it in a regular manner throughout the day, so if you are uh, and you're using it as an artificial energy kick, what you're doing is you're stimulating the body to produce stress hormones that have an antagonistic effect on the production of progesterone. So, um, so the, the stress hormones and progesterone share the same kind of building block. If you think about them as Lego pieces, they both, they both share these Lego pieces. And if there are, we've only got, we only synthesize a certain amount. And if the body is using that pregnenolone Lego piece to produce the stress hormones, it's less able to produce, um, progesterone. And as you know, and I'm sure many of your listeners will know that one of the most dominant theories in endometriosis is this um, environment that is more dominant in, in estrogen than it is in progesterone. So there is an imbalance there and it's the ratio between the two, which is so important. So, you know, that so that and um, research has shown that if you are taking in um, uh, taking in less caffeine. So I would say to, I would advise one to two cups of caffeine a day. So that's anything from a coffee to a cup of tea. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously fizzy drinks are in that, but I would actually advise removing fizzy drinks totally from your diet anyway. Um, that if you're supplementing with essential fatty acids, so omega-3 and reducing caffeine, that that showed to reduce symptoms and particularly sort of dysmenorrhea. 
Um, so the kind of painful, heavy periods, um, and also uh, migraines as well. So if women are experiencing migraines um, uh, pre-menstrually, pre, um, so just before they menstruate. Again, caffeine uses up magnesium and chromium and is a diuretic. So, you know, I, I think don't we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. A small amount of caffeine is, is good. Um, it, it's okay. But again, you know, be your own guide on that. I know that at the very beginning, I actually myself couldn't tolerate caffeine at all. I'm the same, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you've really got to work with your body on that. It will tell you now I'm, I can have, you know, one, one coffee a day and a cup of tea and I will be fine. Um, but but I just couldn't tolerate it at all at the beginning. Mm. Can I ask, because I've been really quite confused over the past couple of years, when I first started researching the endometriosis diet um, and and generally the anti-inflammatory diet, the kind of research out there was saying that caffeine was an inflammatory. But now I looked this up the other day. It seems to say that it's individual. So it can be an inflammatory for some people. It can also be an anti-inflammatory for others. Is that correct? Yeah. The, well, so, so that can be to do with, um, that can be to do with your genetic individuality. So for example, if you have a genetic, uh, predisposition to not manage something called you on this, don't want to throw too many long terms into it, but <laughs> some, your trans, transformation pathway in the liver, that means that you are, um, potentially less effective at breaking down caffeine and um, certain medications as well, like non-sterile anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, so, you know, there is, there is, it really is on an individual basis, but also I think it's, it's the background on which you have caffeine as well. So what would make caffeine inflammatory is that if you're spiking adrenaline, for example, but if you are having caffeine with, you're having a, a nice cup of coffee and you've had a full meal and it's a really well-balanced, um, particularly plant-rich meal, then actually that can also support your body's response to it. But if you're having on a, an empty stomach first thing in the morning and you're rushing for the bus afterwards, your, your adrenaline, your stress hormones are going to be very, very high. There'll be a lot of sugar, uh, glucose um, that will be stimulated to be released through the bloodstream. And then that becomes more of an inflammatory picture. I see. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Wow, you've just answered like a five-year-long question. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Thank you. Um, and the the other one I think you you mentioned, which I think it, you know, I mean, could could be a whole podcast in itself, is the one on gluten. Uh, I think you said about about gluten. My, you know, the the evidence is still quite mixed out there. Um, and there isn't necessarily a huge body of research that looks at gluten alone for endometriosis, although there has been a 2000, there was a study published in 2012, which I think was very strong. And it showed that removing gluten significantly improved symptoms like dysmenorrhea and non-menstrual pelvic pain and painful sex. But, um, what, what it, um, what it has been showing is a um, a positive a gluten free diet has shown positive impact significantly positive impact on other autoimmune conditions. Now that doesn't necessarily mean to say that it will work for endometriosis for everybody with endometriosis, but endometriosis is a classified autoimmune condition. So, and I certainly have had. A lot of benefit in removing it from, in kind of, yeah, certainly removing it from the diet of, of women for 
certainly a kind of a six to 12 month period. And then again, it can be something that might be able to kind of come in. And don't forget as well that gluten containing products, there is a, a seismic difference between a, I don't know, a hot cross bun and a, a rye sourdough. Um, you know, so it's, you know, there are, there are the gluten content is, is gliadin content is different in different products as well. Um, so I think that's another one that would need to be used. Uh, you, you would need to be your own judge of that, but certainly I've seen a lot of benefit from taking it out of the diet, um, in many women. Yeah, no, I, I've definitely, I didn't find that it was, a um, immediate reaction where sugar and caffeine would be an immediate reaction for me, but then, so I would kind of like allow a bit more gluten in my diet, but then, when I fully, I was like, actually, I could still go further in terms of like reducing my pain. When I did tr- trial like eliminating gluten for a longer period of time, my my pain levels dropped significantly by the time my period really? would come around. Yeah, but yeah. My, my brother and sister both have celiac disease, so right, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that plays a, a part in it. So it does. So there was there was a study again. It wasn't massive, but just an epidemiological study that looked at um, the link between arthritis, um, uh, psoriasis, endometriosis, and uh, celiac disease, and there was a strong link between all of them. So if oh, there was wow. a genetic basically a genetic expression so for example if you had uh, if you had a mother that had uh, rheumatoid arthritis or severe psoriasis you, you they had a higher chance of having um, giving birth to a child that would develop endometriosis that's so interesting yeah so you know there is there is a link between all of them and I think you know I, you don't need any any better reason to minimize or remove gluten than you feeling better every month so um, I mean, I certainly, I certainly don't eat much gluten at all. In fact, if any. So, um, I mean, now I'm, I, I certainly am more on a sort of maintenance program. So every once in a while, I will have, um, I might have a nice piece of sourdough if that's what I fancy. Um, I certainly, I certainly manage it um, because I know that if I have too much of it, that it, it can start affecting my symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. So another area that I've kind of I've researched him, but I'm, I still kind of get unclear on. And I think this is because over the years, there's been kind of conflicting uh, headlines and different information coming out. So um, certain fats um, have been linked to worsening symptoms of endometriosis. Now, from memory, I believe in your book, these are trans fats. Are they trans fats? Yes. Yeah. And um, things like margarine. Um, so can we just kind of go over that and also like, what is safe to cook with? Um, because I, at the moment, um, I'm, I'm vegan out of choice. I have, I have been for a couple of years. I mean, I have a high dairy intolerance. Um, so I was already, already vegetarian. So when I got those test results back, I decided to go fully vegan. So I recently found, um, not a margarine, a solid, um vegan butter which is made out of almond oil coconut oil um is it shea shea butter um (laughs) and the only the only thing that I was like oh I don't know if this is a bit questionable is it's got some the last ingredient the smallest ingredient is sunflower emulsifier sunflower um let I can't I don't know how you say it lepsin um so leptin 
No, like I think no. it's L E I T H T C H E N, perhaps. I think that might be it. Uh, it's quite, I, f- I see it in quite a lot of places. Um, so in my head, I'm like, okay, it's not, it's not a margarine. It's organic. It's made with these, all of the ingredients are really lovely. Um, I'm not sure about the last one, but how do I know if that's been processed in a way that's then taken away those good qualities? Because that can be the, it's it's how oils are processed, is that correct? Exactly. If they're hydrogenated, then it's something happens to the bonds in the um, the fats that basically changes their chemical structure um, and can be more damaging to the body. So they, they kind of dock into the cells and create a very different um, response, cellular response, biochemical response. Than if you're if you're having say a long chain fatty acid, so um, transfer you would need to they would usually say hydrogenated on it. So it sounds like that particular product is not is is fine. It's okay. just their their raw fats. Um, but I would I, I'm not familiar with the product. So I if you if you send me some um, notes on it, then I can I can yeah, look it up and, um, and let you know more specifically. Uh, but. Um, it would usually say that they are hydrogenated sunflower oils or um, uh, yeah. So you would, you would, you would know that Um, it it is a very interesting debate. I mean, there are, there are two sort of threats. Sounds very dramatic, but um, I suppose I can't think of a better way of saying it. Two threats that um, uh, trans fat, trans fats pose. And one of those are that um, they actually, by ingesting and having um, them in our system, they can actually um, reduce our body's ability to be able to convert omega-3 fats into um, into the beneficial fats that our cells use. So it actually minimizes our body's use of, of the omega-3 fats. Um, and then the other thing is that they have been shown to stimulate a, um, an immune response as well. Um, so sorry, an immune response, an insulin response as well. So they are, our body can respond to them in the same way that it might respond to sugar. Um, and again, can initiate the um, uh, growth of adipose tissue, so adipocytes, so the fat cells, um, and therefore has the, runs the risk of increasing the amount of aromatase, that enzyme that I spoke about earlier, that converts um, androgens into into um, estrogen as well. And what the what studies have shown is that. Um, those who ate trans fats, I can't remember, I can't remember when it was published. I'm really sorry. I think it was um, back in 2010. And I'm pretty sure it was the European Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology. But I'd have to just double check that. Um, that those who ate trans fats had a 48% increased risk compared with those who, who didn't eat trans fats of developing endometriosis. Wow. Um, yeah, which is which is seismic, actually. Um, so it is something that, and it's not something that just benefits people with endometriosis, women with endometriosis. It's actually, as I've highlighted, the two different other things that it affects in terms of um, increasing insulin release or glucose, glucose release and uh, having an effect on how our body processes the good fats. Those two are actually, you know, worth taking note of whoever you are and whatever condition you might be experiencing so um so yeah i'm i'm a big supporter of of producing trans fats in the body they're very artificial 
um, and, and not necessary. They're just not necessary in our diet. So in terms of, of foods that, um, so fats are damaged, certain fats are damaged um, at, at high temperatures because they don't have the strong double bonding between them. Um, so they become very different structures when they're heated. So lovely fats like things like avocado oil or olive oil um, are ones that are, shouldn't be heated up and cooked with. Okay. Um, because they because they damage at high temperature. Um, the ones that are better to cook with are things like are the mono um, monosaturated fats. So those are the they've got um, uh, more stability at high temperature. That's the coconut oil. Um, a little bit of rapeseed oil is is okay to use as well. Um, but again, you know, it's about it's about quantity. So just making sure that you have a a, a very small small amount and actually. Butter is very stable at high temperature as well. So butter, um, ghee, they are actually okay to cook with on very, very small amounts. They would be preferable than cooking regularly with, with olive oil. So in terms of um, we do, we cook everything from scratch in, in our house. So um, and so say if you were cooking a curry, for example, and you wanted to like saute some like or kind of soften some garlic and onions would you use coconut oil for that or would you actually use some water because obviously you you can do these things with water but like how often would you be cooking with oil in that kind of sense i i cook with oil to some degree for for at least 80 percent of my meals um and and i tend to but i tend to cook on quite a low temperature so we have we have a um something called an arga where you can cook over a long period of time but at a very slow temperature again it depends on the season as well so in the season in winter we tend to have kind of more kind of um stews and uh, not necessarily meat stews but um slow cook meals and soups um but yeah but if it was something that i was doing on the hob then i would yeah i would i would um use a small amount of fat you know the there are benefits to using a small amount of fat in your food as well which is that it increases satiety so how you know that how full and and, and um satisfied you feel with your your meal because we want to we want to represent the three macronutrients that are necessary in the diet and so a small amount of fat um or, or if you're not using fat, then putting in, say, a, a sprinkle of olive oil at the end. So I cook, I steam my vegetables, and then I put over olive oil at the end of it um, as a as a source of fat for for um, vegetables. But yeah, so I would, you know, a small amount. So I'm talking about sort of a teaspoonful of coconut oil, for example, okay, just to kind of bring out some of the because also some of the properties within things like garlic are actually brought out in greater amounts when you're cooking with fat. Okay, brilliant. Um, so, I mean, before we kind of move on, I want to talk about estrogen. Is there any kind of other food groups? I mean, we could go on all day, but are there any other food groups that you would kind of want to raise to be aware of? Um I think I would like to 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 raise the idea of one thing that's been quite I'm getting a lot of questions about at the moment are pulses. Um, so whether or not to have them, because some people are finding benefit from going on something called the paleo diet, which I don't know if you're familiar with, which actually, um, suggests, recommends that you don't have any pulses, any legumes in your diet at all. And although that might be beneficial for some people, 
I would actually say that um, including pulses into your diet as a woman with endometriosis, even if it's a very small amount, is something that I would really encourage. Um, if you can't find that you're not digesting them terribly well, that may be because you've got a low level of bacteria in the gut or um, less than effective amount of digestive enzymes as well, which can all help to break those those pulses down. So the soya isoflavones, for example, are activated by gut bacteria. Um, and when they're activated by the gut bacteria, they produce active metabolites. So Equal, for example, um, and 23% of, I think it's the European population, aren't able to actually do that conversion. And so um, having uh, without, without sufficient amounts of beneficial bacteria. So making sure that your gut bacteria is strong can really help you to use those pulses effectively for a woman with endometriosis. And also the fiber that we um, get from pulses bind to PCB, so um, polychlorinated by phenols, which I think we might be talking about later anyway. Um, they have a lower renal, a lower kidney load than having um, protein from meat. Um, and they, they, they contain phytoprotectants as well. And also that the, the fiber that's produced by pulses stimulates something called sex hormone binding globulin, which is something that circulates in the system that helps to kind of, it's almost like a, a, a hormone policeman, just keeping the level of estrogen um, you know, any kind of rogue estrogen or um, estrogen metabolite that's not productive to the body, um, it sort of binds to it and um, makes deactivates it. So, you know, sex hormone binding globulin is really important and pulses can really help with that. So just a small amount um, on a daily basis, if possible, would be great. So just a reminder of today's sponsors, uh, today is sponsored by BU Period Patches. You already know that I love them and that they are 100% natural, they're discreet, they are easy to use, they smell delicious and um, they are proven to be super successful for people with endometriosis. So I wanted to read you a quote, a testimonial from another very happy customer so, thank you so much. I received the patches and have been trying them for a few days and I love them. All caps on the love, by the way. Total game changer for me at bedtime and I can't even begin, begin to thank you enough. I have scarring on my bladder, which means when I have weight in it, I constantly need a wee, which is so annoying in the middle of the night. But the pain means I need my hot water bottle. These patches are ideal. They work and ease the pain as well as swelling, which is bloody amazing. You guys have a golden product on your hands. These patches are ideal. They work and they ease the pain as well as the swelling. Bloody amazing. So I think that says it all. Um, and it's just, I, I'm finding it amazing to see how many people with endometriosis are um, receiving relief, are experiencing relief with these. Um, the link to BU is in my show notes. Um they are $4.99 uh, if you want to opt for a subscription or $5.99 for a one-off pack. Let me know how you get on. Today's show is also supported by Planet Organic. I love Planet Organic. It's kind of dangerous for me. Um, I have to be very, very uh, controlled. Um, Planet Organic is full of really beautiful, nourishing foods 
And I love going to them because if I'm kind of making some interesting endo diet recipe and I want to try something new and a bit obscure, they are guaranteed to have that strange health superfood that I'm looking for. Um, They also have a range of organic fruits and veg, um, natural period products, supplements, amazing nut butters, literally everything that you could want and need when it comes to your health needs. Um, And as I said earlier, the Endo Complex is sold on their website. So if you would like to try out the Endo Complex, just click the link in my show notes and using that link will help support the show. So, yeah, I I want to talk about oestrogen because, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, oestrogen dominance is is thought to um, be quite common with people who who have endometriosis, and that it may be kind of feeding um, feeding the condition. So i've I've written written I've read definitely <laughs> haven't written any books. Um, I've read like various books, and some of them say um, have soy because it will help um, to remove estrogen. And then others say don't have it because it's going to increase the estrogen in your bodies and in your body. And I know that there is also a difference between um, like tofu and tempeh, for example, and miso um, versus soy sauce. Um, and there are these different types of kind of estrogen mimickers in our chemicals and in our food. So could we kind of talk about that and the difference and if there are certain foods to kind of eat more of um, to help this and certain foods that we might want to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's, that leads on from what I was saying about the pulses. So, um, so the, the thing is with, um, if you think about soya beans, then them in themselves are very rich in something called phytoestrogen. So these are plant chemicals that mimic the structure of estrogen in the body. And by having a regular, um, a, a diet that has regular amounts of, of these phytoestrogenic foods, it actually helps our body to, if there is a dominance of estrogen in the system, it helps our body to um, moderate the activity of that estrogen. So they are, they can be really good at helping to balance and reduce that estrogen dominant environment. But also don't forget that an estrogen dominant environment is in, is sort of relative to a very low level of, of progesterone. So you want to be working on bringing up progesterone as well. Um, but yeah, so, so, and when we have soy milk or you have things like soy yogurts, for example, you're not, you're getting a processed food, you're getting a processed version of those soya beans. Um, and you're, you might be isolating some of those phytoestrogen. So there's a, there's a whole kind of gamut of phytoestrogen chemicals and what we know from what we can take from the, the research, because the, the research is equivocal, um, and some of it, as you say, is saying that it's very good for you. Some say that it's not good for you. Some say that it's even contributing to the development of estrogen dependent cancers, for example. So there's a lot of there's a lot of research out there to be confused by. But the research that that actually says that um, that soya is not necessarily beneficial for you is when it is. Um, soya products that are in an isolated form, which means that they are producing or providing a selection 
of those or even one of those phytoestrogen chemicals rather than the whole gamut. And what we know about the gamut of, of phytoestrogens, the group of phytoestrogens, is that they work in synergy with one another. So, um, so it's really important to get those, those, um, those foods as whole foods rather than processed foods like, like um, so something like edamame beans, for example, would be great. The other thing about um, soya is having um, uh, fermented foods. So you alluded to it. So miso and tempeh. Now, I don't know if you remember me saying, but just before when I was talking about pulses, I was saying about how actually in order for us to be able to use to produce the active metabolites that um, that create that positive uh, phytoestrogenic effect in the body, it, it, one of those active metabolites was equal from diazine. So um, it needs to be activated by the gut bacteria. So um, when you are when you are taking in fermented products, you're actually creating bacteria through that fermentation process. So that actually helps us already. The food is beginning to be a more digestible, more um, uh, metabolized form of those estrogens. That's actually much easier for us to use. So uh, so actually, I think that fermented um, soy products are excellent. So tempeh and, and miso, they're a, they're a great source of phytoestrogens to have in your diet. And um, would tamari be included in that as well? Because that's a fermented... Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you've got, um, yeah, so, so I mean, the other thing is that some of the yogurts and the, um, the soya products come in these very kind of plastic containers. And you've got the irony of the fact that, you know, one of the estrogen mimickers or cowboys that interrupt the hormone, the hormonal system, the endocrine system, are phthalates, which are found in plastics. And, you know, so, you know, you've got these two exposures to these two potentially um, threatening kind of natural chemicals and, and unnatural chemicals, synthetic chemicals. So, um, yeah, I, I personally am not an advocate of using soya milk. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't used it for many years. And I mean, you can almost kind of taste and see how processed it is like many of their like if you look at the outpro it's kind of so i don't know in, in comparison to a nice high quality nut milk there's definitely yes. a difference yes exactly yeah. exactly so um before we move on to i want to talk about wild nutrition and your incredible supplement um but i kind of wanted to talk about endometriosis as more of like a I guess looking at the whole body. So many of us might think that endometriosis is only affecting like our reproductive organs and the area around around that or perhaps where the patches are growing if they're growing further up. But there are some key links with the immune system, the gut, the liver, which, which you've mentioned um, briefly already. But um, how how do these link with endometriosis and what's the impact of these systems and organs on endometriosis? It's such a good question, actually. And it's, um, I'm so delighted to be asked it because it's <laughs> something that that's almost the bit that I feel the most, the most passionate about is the fact that, you know, we have um, traditionally had a very reductionist view of endometriosis. And, you know, we are, a, we are a complex interchange of different systems. And if we pull one thread in the body, it has an impact on everything else. You know, we, we are, we are just a, a kind of, interweave of systems um 
and which are all incredibly connected. And as you've already said, the immune the immune system is one of those. I mean, that really in itself is also a, a very it's a very complex um, area to talk about. And the interchange between the body is is actually, to be honest with you, not entirely understood. Um, but what we do know about it is that um, hyperestrogenic environment, so that would be in the case of anyone experiencing endometriosis, stoke the fire of inflammation. So if you have um, a heightened amount of estrogen in the body, then you are you are stimulating the release of chemicals in the body that stimulate in, um, inflammation. We know that women with endometriosis have high levels of cytokines, and these are proteins that are released during an immune response. So you know, the endometrial tissue will be, um, or the patches will be, will be attacked by the immune system as though it's a foreign, a foreign substance in the body. So the immune system effectively starts attacking itself. Uh, the immune system starts attacking its own, yeah, its own body. Um, and, and so, so working on, and again, you know, the, as I've already mentioned, the immune system is located, a lot of it is located in the gut as well. And, and through, um, through, the growth of and the presence of good a good balance of bacteria is so important to um, for the immune system to be able to um, modulate or to to supervise what is what is the enemy and what is not and we see that that ability to be able to be adaptable and attack those things that we need it to attack and not attack the things that we don't need it to attack actually that comes from the gut. Um, and you know, the gut is also really important for absorbing nutrients and, um, hormone clearance and serotonin production. So we produce more serotonin in our gut than we do anywhere else in our body. Um, we have, our um, a lot of our cytokines are also known to that are produced in the gut. So these are the inflammatory chemicals. These are, have been shown to affect, get through the blood brain barrier and affect our brain and our mood, which again, as, as somebody experiencing endometriosis can be um, significantly affected. Um, we know that poor peristaltic movements, so the, um, the ability to move food and, and substance through the bowel um, is associated with a low level of bacteria and that there is a enzyme in the in the body called beta glucuronidase which basically unpacks estrogen and allows us to reabsorb it into the system instead of transport it through the bowel and out through the bowel is dependent on a healthy immune system um, so you know so that that links the gut and the immune system then you've got the one another area that i feel is totally overlooked is the importance of of the detoxification channels as well and Detox has become an incredibly trendy term um, and a faddy term of, you know, it's what you do after the summer to or after Christmas when you've had too much wine and too much yeah. chocolate. And, um, you know, that's that's not a detox. I mean, I mean, I'm when I'm talking about detox, I'm talking about in the context of a, of a kind of a medical um, a medical tool to use for for supporting the body. So we know that the detoxification system is used to break down hormones um, so, you know, if our body is producing too much uh, estrogen, it's where our body can break that down, package it up, send it to the gut to be eliminated. Um, it's what also breaks down and helps to produce some of the immune chemicals as well. Um, it's responsible for the production of sex hormone binding globulin that I mentioned earlier as being so important for policing um, hormonal balance. Um, it metabolizes and repackages used and toxic material so our exposure to pollutants um and also 
other things like, you know, many of the women that I see have, are, have on a heavy handed dose or have at some stage been on a heavy handed dose of medication. So the, um, the detoxification system is really important for helping to break those down and eliminate them properly, eliminate the byproducts effectively from the diet, uh, from the body rather. Um, it's also a storage point of key nutrients like iron for example iron is so very important for women with endometriosis for very obvious reasons um it's also iron is very important for the immune system magnesium again for smooth muscle contraction so in terms of helping with menstrual cramping um serotonin production melatonin production so how are we sleep vitamin b12 um and so, so, and 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 the immune system, the detoxification system, relies on the gut doing the right job, um, because it doesn't want to have to keep on clearing. If it's not eliminating waste properly, then the detoxification system, i.e., the liver and the kidneys, it puts extra extra challenge on those areas. So they all have to work in synergy. It's not just about removing, looking at the at the pelvic cavity, for example, and saying endometriosis is there. If we remove that, then it's gone. It's actually about looking, okay, well, have we got an efficient um, working immune system? What's going on with the gut? What's happening with the detoxification system? And looking at all of those in synergy and supporting all of those in synergy. So incredibly important. Um, So, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, and I think that, I think that, we are beginning to see more, more, um, more people embracing that that method actually, which is just fantastic because it's really what gets to the root of the problem. I think there was, um, I wish I could remember it. There's a fantastic quote. Um, if I just hold on, I might rack my brain and be able to remember it. Yeah, of course. Uh, I can't remember who, which, which journal it was published in, but it basically said that, you know, medication, for example, can be used. Um, can be used effectively, but actually once you remove it, all the symptoms come back. Yes. So, and that's really, that's a perfect illustration of working on the symptoms rather than working on the cause and to get to the cause, to get to the root, the nub of it, you have to work on the body as a system. Absolutely. Completely agree. And I, I think since I've been supporting my, my, my gut feels like an entire another issue to deal with um but I have made some changes that have really helped with that but since I've been supporting my liver more I I feel like that's made such a such a difference um yeah so I can yeah so fascinating I could talk to you about it forever um (laughs) so I want to talk about your um your company wild nutrition um your food grown supplements so you have I'm just gonna reach over and pick pick mine up um so you have the endo complex um and i noticed when i was i was reading the um ingredients a little while ago and, and comparing them to the list of um i wouldn't say it wasn't supplements but it was like a list of like nutrients essentially i think and herbs etc that were helpful for endometriosis and i remember the first time i read that list being like oh my god there's there's so many am i like I don't have the money to take them all, but your, you know, your supplement actually contains so many of them. And I kind of only realized that when I was, I was reading your book again and I was like, that sounds really good. That sounds really good. And then I picked up the bottle and looked at it and I was like, oh, that's in it. So that's, you know, and (laughs) I, you know, I, 
really, it's been such an interesting past, I don't know, 15 months for me because I I tried um, a turmeric supplement for, I think, three months and um, that did wonders. Um, and then following on from that, I did three months of your um, endo complex. And honestly, those six months were the best. Well, it's kind of been better since even, but they were, you know, the best periods that I'd had in so long, even though I was managing endometriosis so well, I'd, I was at like a one or two on the pain scale with, um, my periods. But then when I started taking the endo complex, there was zero, zero pain. Amazing. And, um, since then I've been able to be, to be a little bit more relaxed with my diet. So I still follow like, you know, the endometriosis diet in loose terms, um, in, in a way that's suitable for me. But now instead of, I, I drink, um, decaffeinated coffee if I do want a coffee because I am really sensitive to it but I can kind of have um so for example if you go back to Christmas January 2018 my period was horrendous because even though I still ate well over Christmas I had more of like dark chocolate and um you know raw dark chocolate it still had sugar in it and I, I had like a few coffees and my my period was awful in 2019 I still did the same thing I was baking like and stuff and my period was I was surprised at how easy it was it was like a two three on the pain level scale so what I'm finding is coupling eating well with this supplement you know I don't have to be so fearful of food all the time um and I know that I'm supporting so many systems in my body and that really gives me peace of mind because I'm not trying to have to understand all of the different things that I should take. Um, so I wondered if you could just talk us through like, uh, you know, the supplement and um, its purpose and some of the benefits that you find from the ingredients in there. Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, I'm so delighted to hear that that's been your response and, and that it's supporting you. It's just fantastic. I love it. I can't be without it. If, <laughs> right, I'm, if I'm running well, out, I'm like, oh, I need to get to Planet Organic. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got mine on subscription. <laughs> yeah, I need to do so that. Actually. It, it, it goes through, it just arrives, plumps through my door. And I, it's, I mean, you know, it's, we've had amazing response from it. And it's just such a delight to hear it because, um, it really encompasses for me it's a real hero product again another kind of passion project for me because um it is really representing exactly what I've just been talking about which is looking holistically at the body so you know it, it you can find for example you you know that, that we might know that magnesium or indole 3 carbonyl for example methionine are beneficial for the body um, when experiencing endometriosis, but actually combining those together in a very synergistic way is is actually incredibly effective when you bring those tools together. Um, so the it's yeah, so it's addressing all the different elements that I spoke about earlier: the immune system, the nervous system, the digestive system, and actually when those when all of those components come together, it's a very powerful force. Um, so the product 
contains um, milk thistle so and food-growing cysteine. I, I wonder if I should just explain a little bit before I go on about the difference with food-grown as well. Yeah, so of course. So the, the nutrients that we, we use, so everything that we use at World Nutrition, as, as you probably already know, is we use a process called food-grown, which effectively means that we grow the nutrients in food because just like we are not isolated um, organs and we are a complex weave of different of different things and we all work in our system works in synergy with with um you know together um if the same happens with a plant and with a with a nutrient when you actually take find a nutrient in in nature for example vitamin c you would never you find it as a sort of jigsaw puzzle where there are lots of little different pieces connected together inextricably bound together and when you take a um a very synthetic nutrient in a in in a supplement form actually all you're doing is you're taking one piece of that jigsaw you're taking away all of the other pieces of the jigsaw that have both got health benefits but also are give a structure to the nutrient that the body is attuned to recognize because we're attuned to recognize nutrients in a food form, not in a synthetic um, synthesized lab lab way. So for example, with vitamin C, when you take it in a synthetic form, it's actually a mix of cornstarch and sorbitol. It's never seen a citrus plant in its life. Right. Whereas <laughs> it was very important for me as a um, with my understanding of kind of human biochemistry and also working with clients, you know, I was very busy telling, uh, recommending women to eat non-processed food and to eat whole foods. But yet, for me, it was completely counterintuitive to then recommend a highly synthetic supplement um, made of cornstarch and right. sorbitol. Absolutely, in plastic, yeah. In a plastic <laughs> pot. So, so for me, when we started World Nutrition, it was incredibly important to source a, a method that was actually presenting the nutrients in a concentrated amount but in a way, in a format, in that jigsaw puzzle format that the body could then absorb really, really well. So, and then again, you, because it absorbs it really well, you don't have to use these kind of huge doses that you have to use with the synthetic. So, so um, with all of the nutrients that are in the endo complex, I use this food growing method. And so it's things like uh, we've got vitamin B6 in there and um, iron and zinc and magnesium vitamin E for, for energy production, so to, to, to support the um, mitochondrial energy um, production in the body, but also to support the immune system and the nervous system as well, both of which are deeply affected by endometriosis on a daily basis. So even if we're symptomatic, every day our body is managing, um, is trying to find the, the balance within our system because it still sees that we've got these foreign patches in our body. Um, and we've got to sort of almost train it into a, uh, to, to recognize them as, as friend, not foe. Um, there's milk thistle and, and food-grown cysteine and choline for liver support, so for supporting the detoxification system. Methionine, so food-grown methionine, which is an amino acid, which is absolutely beautiful at helping to um, break down, effectively break down, um, estrogen byproducts and help clearance through the, the bowel. Um, Indole-3-carbonyl which is a very, very effective for estrogen clearance. So in um, indole-3-carbonyl is also found in um, cruciferous vegetables. Right. Um, Eating hydrochloride for digestive support. 
um, inositol, which is a very uh, supportive for the nervous system. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, it's, it's the, all of them together create this kind of complexity and synergy um, that are very effective at regulating um, menstrual regularity, um, the pain aspect of, of endometriosis and how well we're able to clear and find that balance between progesterone and estrogen as well because uh, the nutrients in their zinc, for example, is incredibly important for helping the body to produce um, progesterone. So so it's a very kind of 360 holistic formulation and um, I've been working on it for a long time. <laughs> so to actually have it to market is just lovely. It's so exciting. It's a wonderful, yeah, absolutely wonderful product. Um, and I just, I just wouldn't be without it. So yeah, thank you so much for finally, you know, there's, there's not enough of this kind of stuff out there. So I'm so happy that, yeah, you've taken, you stepped up and have provided this option for women because there just hasn't been enough options out there for women to manage, uh, well, people with endometriosis to manage, um, you know, it, on a whole body level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing is, you know, because uh, because a lot of women are quite often on medication, it's important that these there is that there are ingredients in there to support the body's um, management of the side effects of that medication as well. You know, talking about liver support and, you know, that it gets quite a whack on these on these very strong um, either pain regulation or um, synthetic hormone uh, medications are that your body ha- is challenging so um so yeah there are ingredients in there to support that aspect of it as well brilliant and um quickly before we we wrap up um i've been hearing uh from f- several kind of hormone experts that um evening primrose is um a brilliant anti-inflammatory because it blocks the um, inflammatory prostaglandins, if I remember, if I remember rightly, um, mm-hmm. do you, with this endocomplex, could you couple it with something else, for example, like evening primrose, or do you think it's a, is it a standalone product where you don't really need to add anything else and just focus on diet? No, I think that's a really good call. I think that's, um, I think that's a lovely thing to combine it with. I often combine it in clinic. I will combine it with, um, We've got a, a full spectrum turmeric. It works, as you've already mentioned, actually, it works fantastically with turmeric. Um, I I still really like, I, I, I think uh, GLA or EPA, whichever one you want to, to say, is is very beneficial as well. It doesn't always work with, uh, sometimes the pain regulation side of it can be really benefited by omega-3 as well. So taking, um, you know, a fish oil or a vegan source of omega-3 can be can be helpful as well but absolutely you can combine it with with other things as well okay brilliant um yeah i've i've got a couple that i take so i wanted to make sure that that was okay um yeah yeah great so um to end where can um for people who don't know where can they get the new book um which is called take control of your endometriosis and um your lovely endo complex and actually you've also just released a pcos complex um and you have lots of lovely supplements to support women so um where can people find these so um they can find the the book it can be can be found on amazon um but it can also be found on wild nutrition so our website wildnutrition.com as can all the the products as well 
I should have double checked this before I spoke to you, but I have a feeling that we are doing a promotion at the moment where um, if you buy, if you do want to try the endo complex, you'll actually get a free copy of the book. So Oh, wonderful. Um, I would just have, yes. So, um, because actually one of the things that I really wanted to do is to be able to give the, have for people to have access to the information in the book without having to pay some huge premium. So, um, you can, it's on a, it's a very affordable amount on, on the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, so everything can be bought, but we also have retail outlets and, um, it's sold in retail and things like plant organic and whole foods and various, we have many stockists across the country. So if you actually want to go in and see and feel the product, but there's a lot of information, um, available on the website and we can, we can send things very quickly. So, um, we have a no, it's important to say actually, because this is a really important part for me with the business is we have a, a absolutely no, um, no quibble refund, um, policy as well. So if there is something that doesn't work for you, then we absolutely with delight will, you know, will refund you. Um, and we also have a trained nutritionist who is on our nutrition line, who is absolutely excellent and very, very well versed in endometriosis, um, between 12 o'clock and four o'clock every Monday to Thursday. So if you want some more advice, you can by all means call up and have a chat with her and see um, if she can help in any way. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Henrietta. It's such an honour to have you on. I feel like you were, you know, your book was a part of my healing journey at the very, very beginning. So um, to have you on the podcast now, this, I don't know, four four years later is, is yeah, so lovely. Such a lovely opportunity. And um yeah, I just, I'm so excited to see what more you do because I feel like you're such an advocate um, for people with endometriosis and, and women and women's conditions. So thank you for all your hard work and uh, yeah, just thank you for being on. It's been such a privilege. Uh, oh, Jess, it's been such a delight and a privilege and I'm, um, yeah, I've enjoyed it very, very much. So thank you for asking me to come on. Thank you. I hope you have a lovely Monday. And you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.